podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your World Cup Daily. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? When do we get a day off? Never. Never. This competition's just going to go and go and go and go for the next eight years, and that's just going to be it. Fair enough. No Nations League then, I suppose that's the silver lining. That's the plus of it all. That's the plus of it. And we don't have to go back to Liverpool's stinky season, so, you know, that's the plus of it all. On the negative side, by the time we do go back, Virgil and Mo and Thiago will all be retired, so, you know, it, we'll have embryos playing in midfield. Um... We had four games yesterday in the World Cup, and let's start with a result that's a shock, but when you see the lineup of one of the teams, it becomes less of a shock. Tunisia won France nil. So France changed basically everybody. Uh, Mandanda played in goal. Desassi, Varane, Konate, and Kamavinga as the back four. Fafana, Chouameni and Veratois in midfield. Kingsley Coleman and Matteo Guendouzi playing out of position. Either side of Colo Moana. Algeria, to their credit, defended really well as we thought they would. And Kazri, who is their main goal-getter, stepped up when they needed them to step up. Got them the goal. France had a goal disallowed with the last kick of the ball, basically, by Antoine Griezmann. I didn't think it should have been disallowed, but I'm not 100% certain on the rule there. It looked for a second, just for a second, like Tunisia would find their way through, which would have been a big shock if they'd gone through to the knockout phases. But unfortunately for them, they do fall just short. But they can go home very, very proud of their World Cup because they've done themselves proud in this game. They obviously finished on four points, all things considered, a pretty good outing for Tunisia. Yeah, very good. I mean, considering the the group that they were put in, um, I think they may feel third was on par, but the fact of how close it was to being second makes it very, very much above par or better than par. Um, This was a, a really good tournament from them in general. I think they were uh, a little too restrained against Denmark, but that's only with hindsight, really, isn't it? Because Denmark was so poor across the three games. Uh, if Tunisia had gone for it more in that game, maybe they'd you know, have come away with the victory. But taking a point from that opening match, it looked like a really good point at the time and kept them in the running. Um, so I don't think they can be disappointed with anything at all other than the fact that they did go close in the end and didn't quite get there. Um, France, I mean... 
it didn't matter for Deschamps, and we said that at the start uh, yesterday on yesterday's podcast, but this was a bit <laughs> more extravagant than we were both expecting. I mm. think. Um, I, I mean, when I saw the lineup, I was trying to figure out who was playing right wing back because I assumed it was going to be a back three with Zassi, Varane and Canate, but it was nothing in the end, really. Let's be perfect, honest. I don't think I ever want to see Gandosi in those sorts of positions again. No. Um, and that's even by the fact that I don't even really want to see Gandosi on the pitch most of the time at all. So, uh, interesting, let's say, to say the least. At least everyone got a run out. They got uh, minutes in the legs and Ibrahim Kanate was roundly praised for his performance. Yeah, he was awesome. To be fair, he was awesome. Let down, funnily enough, by Raphael Varane. Um, on the goal. I, I think Tunisia, I think you're right. I think they would have looked at third as par, but I think they would have expected to be ahead of Australia and behind Denmark. As it turns out, they are behind Australia, but ahead of Denmark. Australia 1-0 winners over the Danes yesterday. Denmark have had a dreadful World Cup and they are out in fairly miserable fashion. They really haven't put forward their best performance is that all only one goal scored in three games three conceded obviously two of them came against France one yesterday to Australia Matthew Leckie with the only goal of the game why oh why were the Danes so overly committed forward in that moment I have no idea they were just awful and they deserve to be out and the Aussies to their credit defended very very well Harry Souter, I mean, talk about <laughs> monstrous performances. That Super guy was unbelievably good yesterday. Won absolutely everything in the air. And let me just say, Andreas Cornelius, he might be the worst player I've seen at this World Cup. His performance yesterday was absolutely shocking. He's he's a big, big lump of a fella. And he came on and he was hiding over on fullbacks and still losing headers. Absolutely awful. But the Aussies deservedly true. You call that yesterday. Congrats to them. They'll move on and you have to be happy for them. Massively. I mean, they didn't actually start the way I expected them to. They were more restrained than they were a little bit uh, standoff, but they were still really well organised and battling hard. I tell you what, Denmark, aside from not showing the best technical traits and attacking um patterns of play and all the rest of it, they had nothing. They had no heart to them, no fight, no energy, no movement, no anything at all off the ball. You know, this is a team who going into the last, well, I was going to say the last 20 minutes, was actually 30 minutes plus injury time that they had after the goal. And at no point during all of that were they really aggressive to win back possession, never really put in too many tackles in midfield other than Hoiberg. There was, it was, honestly, this was dismal. This was so, so poor. I would put this this specific performance, I would say, was the, the worst of the Europeans uh, showing so far. I think this was worse than anything Wales served up because at least Wales did try and you know defend with heart and with with a lot of passion and with a lot of uh, aggression at times, that kind of thing. Denmark were nothing, absolutely nothing yesterday. I think this was worse than Belgium. Um, really, really disappointed in them. For all, Kasper Hulman sort of got obviously lots and lots of praise at the Euros and took big steps forward with the national team and his own coaching reputation. I think this has probably done the complete reverse, to be honest, because they were wretched. So I was I was looking into this yesterday, and Casper Hillman obviously got loads and loads of praise after 
the Euros for how well the team did and for the tactical setup and you know the 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 team nature of their approach, how everything was, you know, focused around the group and how well they played for each other. And I started thinking, well, he took over in weird circumstances. So uh, Age Haredi had been the manager. He got them qualified. And Hulmund was to take over after the Euros. But then... The COVID pandemic postponed the Euros for a year. Heredia's contract expired, so Hulman took over. So he took over a team that I believe hadn't lost in like two and a bit years. Yeah, they hadn't lost any of their last 34 games, bar one game that they played against Slovakia in which none of their actual players played. There was a dispute between the Danish Football Association, the DBU, and the Players Association over uh, commercial rights. And um, Haredi and all the senior players that would normally be picked from the first and second division of Danish football and abroad, they weren't involved in the game. It was like part-time amateur players and futsal players with John Jensen as the manager. That's the only game they'd lost for, I think, four, it's actually four years. They hadn't lost since 2016 by, by the time Heredia left. So he inherited a really good group. And then, of course, there's the Ericsson moment where Christian Ericsson suffers a heart attack on the pitch. And from there, the Danes are galvanized by what's happened to their teammate. And I wonder... How much of it was actually Casper Hulmond? Have we been wrongly praising him for 12 months? And how much of it was the previous manager and the Ericsson heart attack that inspired that team to go on and perform the way they did? Because based on what we just saw from Denmark, Carl, Casper Hulmond is making it up as he goes along because he seemed to have no clue how to change things in-game. And when he was making substitutions to try and, you know, crawl the way back into that game, like you said, they had 30 minutes plus stoppage time. It ended up being about 37 minutes in total. They didn't test the goalkeeper. I don't remember Matt Ryan making one impressive save. All he did was just chuck players on with no real thought of what they were doing and launch balls from their defensive third in towards Harry Souter's enormous head. Awful stuff, absolutely awful stuff. But I, I, I wonder if we maybe have to reassess Casper Hillman as a manager now. Yeah, I mean, like I think there's definitely going to be all eyes on the on the qualification campaign, obviously for the Euros, and see how they do there. It's every chance that this is simply a case of players choking. Obviously, we we have to acknowledge that, or simply too few of them turned up, or too few of them were comfortable in the system. I mean, I think it's quite notable. Um, take yesterday for example when they went back to the back four Ericsson is very deep in midfield again usually pre-Euros obviously he was like the creative hub as the 10 right behind the forward he created a lot of goals he scored a lot of goals himself he was never in a position to really take on any kind of chances at all yesterday uh, I mean you mentioned Matt Ryan not having to make any good saves I think I remember like one which is straight at him one which he scooped clear with his feet which wasn't actually a shot it was like a cross kind of bobbled his way it wasn't really anything else. It was so, so poor. Like it was 
just dismal from Denmark. They looked like they were beaten, to be honest, even before they had mm. to score the goal. And then when Leckie went on his big winding run, which I, I absolutely love the fact, I think about two uh, Denmark players claimed for offside, despite him starting the run in his own half. In his own half, um, yeah. It's very, very impressive. Um, like they, they were dismal. Australia, I think, deserve a lot of the focus and a lot of the credit here. Uh, people would have probably seen by now the videos of the celebrations online and everything, and considering the, the time zone difference between the match and in Australia, obviously. And I think there were videos of, of Melbourne City Centre. It was like 3, 4 a.m. at the time mm. the game finished, and it was absolutely jam-packed. So delighted for them. Wrote all kinds of history for themselves yesterday. First time they beat the European sides at the World Cup, first time they've won two matches at the same World Cup, first time they've been to the last 16 since uh, 2002, 2006, something like that. So absolutely massive for them. Obviously, a huge, huge task to go any further at all, but this is already immense. This is such a big, big step forward for them. It is. It's fantastic. And football or soccer, as they call it now, has, has a long way to go in terms of getting into you know, the mainstream of popularity because they've got, obviously, Australian rules. Rugby Union and Rugby League are massive there. Cricket is massive there. But the football fans, they're hardcore. And the one great thing about the Aussies is there's an awful lot of national pride. So they'll come out in numbers. Even if some of them have no idea what's going on, they'll come out in numbers to support their boys. And like you said, the scenes from the cities were unbelievable. I've got still got friends living in Perth and they were sending me pictures from Northbridge and the place was just chock-a-block. The Aussies had invaded all the Irish bars knowing that they'd be full of Irish lads watching a World Cup that we're not involved in. Um, it was it was great to see them doing so well. Absolutely brilliant to see them doing so well. And for the Danes, they've got to go back to the drawing board. They've got to figure out where they go next. Players like Moritz Kjergaard, players like Mo Dorami, Rasmus Heusland, those are the young generation that they need to get integrated into this team and hope that either Heusland or Dorami explodes and becomes the nine that they need because they just never looked like scoring yesterday. Uh, moving on, the later games, Poland nil, Argentina 2. Argentina given a soft penalty in the first half. Lionel Messi steps up, misses. The Argies dominate. Poland somehow cling to a nil-nil. But one minute minute into the second half, Alexis McAllister opens the scoring. And then Julian Alvarez wraps it up with a second goal. Argentina 2, Poland 0. Argentina through as top of the group. Which, considering how they started is a really good turnaround for them. They will face Australia in the round of 16. And that one, that's another big test for Argentina because Australia will be really up for that one as well. If the entire watching world is not looking forward to Harry Suter against Lionel Messi, I don't know what to do at this point. That's, that's it's what the we're the two best for. players that's in what the, the world, world is what we're saying. <laughs> Absolutely is. Um, <laughs> like, that's That's... That is, though, isn't it? It's what World Cup is all about. Like, it's teams and players that you don't normally come up against, and it only takes a result or two to go weirdly to find these really crazy matchups and really one-sided encounters that you're still actually not quite sure is going to go to plan and all of that. So, Argentina were very, very good. Argentina were also allowed to be very, very good. Uh, I mentioned earlier the Denmark performance was the worst from a European side I've ever seen. I think Poland 
just about better than them, only by virtue of about two players on the team, because uh, there were a couple of them putting in some amounts of effort. And I would point there to Wojciechowski and Kamu Glick. Other than that, this was an abomination. And if they had gone through on yellow cards, I don't know what I would have done. I would have been anti every single rule in the FIFA playbook if necessary. They were shocking. They were. They were awful. And like you said, for for a time they were going through on yellow cards. They were and they were clinging on to even that because it looked a certainty that Argentina would get a third. But it wasn't to be 2-0. Poland will go through in second place. And obviously they'll face France now, which is it's not straightforward for France, but it's one they'll fancy winning. In the other game in that group, it was Mexico who looked like they'd be the team who miss out on a place in the round of 16 on yellow cards. So they were trying to force the issue and go and get a third goal. They'd gone 2-0 up through Henri Martin and Luis Chavez, who'd scored on 47 and 52. But by overcommitting to find that third goal, they left themselves open at the back. Aldasari hits them on the counter, and Saudi Arabia get a goal back. Mexico 2, Saudi Arabia 1. Mexico finished third, and the Saudis, unfortunately, finished bottom. But... No one can ever take away from them the fact that in their opening game, they came from 1-0 down against Argentina and Lionel Messi and beat them 2-1. And Argentina, going through, still one of the favourites to win the tournament, and Saudi Arabia will be able to look at them forever and say, well, we beat you. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy that after that, they finished bottom. Um, again, a very, very tight group. This was so difficult to call all the way through, I think, after that first result. Um, honestly, you play out that group again, I don't think you get the same four positions. Uh, certainly, you wouldn't get the same four points amounts. Uh, there were some interesting performances along the way, let's say. It's good that Mexico did finally manage to get their boots shipped over from uh, Central America to Qatar, obviously, and finally managed to put the ball in the back of the net because previous to that, it was a bit of a horror show once they got into the final third, but free kick was probably the best one we've seen this tournament. Some of their build-up play was obviously very, very good. They did have the ball in the net a third time, uh, only to be offside. I think they'll be disappointed with themselves, to be honest, um, to not have gone through that group. They left it too late. They were a little bit too reserved, I think, against Poland, especially in that first game. Um very, very good, again, from Saudi Arabia in terms of some of the, the counter-attack and play that they had, but defensively it wasn't quite as as rigorous and as uh, difficult to break through, let's say, this time. No, no, it wasn't at all. Um, right, moving on to today's games. Canada versus Morocco. The Canadians are already out. Morocco are currently second in the group on four points, having drawn with Croatia and beaten Belgium, they've looked really good defensively. Canada look very powerful, quick, but raw and a little bit naive. It's hard to see beyond a, a, a Morocco. It's hard to see beyond Morocco getting at least a point in this one. 
Yeah, I agree. I think the word you use there is right for Canada. It's naivety, isn't it? Um, they, they're very, very enthusiastic and adventurous, and they have some really good link-up play. But ultimately, at this level, they make a few mistakes which against teams who maybe have been in this position a few times before or maybe who just have a few more players playing at a slightly higher level. That has seen them come unstuck. Um, certainly was very, very evident against Croatia, less so against Belgium. That was just a couple of moments which did not go their way as opposed to it could easily have gone their way. Mm. Um, but certainly against Croatia, I think that midfield just turned it on uh, and Canada could not deal with that. So I do wonder how many changes Canada are going to make because on the one hand, they still have well, history to make. You know, If they get the win, if they get the points, then that's the best ever um, World Cup for them. But on the other hand, do they want to give a few minutes or a start to people who might be involved in the next World Cup cycle. Um, do they want to give you know a few minutes to people who haven't played yet at the World Cup? And there's no guarantee that they will again. They should qualify again because they've got a good side, but there's no guarantee of it, obviously. Uh, so there might be a bit of a turnaround in the team. Well, there is a guarantee not. that they'll qualify again. Oh, yeah, for the next one. Yes. For the next one. They're automatically <laughs> into the next one. A fine point. Well made. Um so yes, I guess it that doubles down then, doesn't it? Do you want to start giving people some experience who they think might be playing a bigger role in the next one? Um, it's it's not tricky, but certainly a balancing act to do. Uh, and obviously, the you'd hope that the levels of determination are still going to be there. But you're right, Morocco have looked really, really good. They're very well set up, nice balance to the team. I think Amrabat has played a very, very important role for them holding midfield. Um, I still think that a lot of Morocco doing anything depends on three very inconsistent players in attack in Bufal, Ziyech and, and Ziri. Uh, when they do link up well, when they do turn up and show their obvious quality in terms of uh, one-on-one play, in terms of vision and execution of decent passes and obviously a bit of finishing as well, they're good. They're an actually good side, but when they don't, I don't think that they have too much beyond those three unless the full, fullbacks are getting forward too well. And Masrao is not done too much in an attacking sense, at least. So still a little bit hesitant to say how far Morocco could go, but I definitely think they go through by getting something today. Yeah, I do as well. Uh, the other game in this group is massive. Hmm. It is Croatia versus Belgium. Croatia topped the group on four points, but they're only ahead of Morocco on goal difference. If they were to lose today and Morocco picked up a point, Croatia would go out. So they need to ensure they get at least a point in this one. Belgium need to win the game. Unless Morocco get heavily beaten by the Canadians, which doesn't look likely. If Belgium go out, it's probably the biggest shock and probably the most disappointing performance by any of the European teams because more so because of the names in the squad Mm. but what's overlooked and we've talked about it and I've talked about it on two footed is is how old this squad is and how poorly Martinez has done at turning this squad over and bringing through the next generation but they have looked awful Carl they were roundly outplayed by the Canadians and got very very lucky with one defensive mistake by arguably the slowest centre-back in the history of the world. And then Morocco just completely outplayed them and punished them to, with a 2-0 victory. Um, I have a hard time seeing Belgium getting anything. And all the stories coming out of the Belgian camp 
and that all the players hate each other. I mean, it's it's an absolute mess. It really is. Um, from standpoint of Roberto Martinez, the only thing I assume he's going to do here is put the Kaku back in the team. Maybe you make a change at one of the wing backs, but there's not going to be that much difference. Um, the, the side's a mess. Honestly, it really, really is. They're relying on people who are not just past their best, but actively not any good anymore. And the dis- the disparity in quality and what they're offering on the pitch between, let's say, people like Thibaut Courtois and someone like Eden Hazard, it's honestly, it's an absolute gulf. It is like playing with an international team and a Sunday league team mixed mm. together. It's so, so poor. And this, whatever way you want to look at it, this comes down to the management, not just Martinez, but the management, the coach and staff, the technical setup, all of them, because mm. they've all been part of this. They've all allowed it to happen. Um, there's no good just saying it's on Martinez because you can get instructions from your boss. You can be removed from your job by your boss. You yeah. have to have people overlooking this who is beyond just the head coach, just as it is in every other sport, in every other football team, in every other industry, anything at all. So this is on the national team setup as a whole. But the players have to obviously take a huge amount of responsibility because they've been dreadful. Again, like their Mark we spoke about, very, very little heart, very little uh, energy and work rate. You can see Kevin De Bruyne is hugely frustrated almost from kickoff in the first two games. And by the time it's like 20 minutes in, he is running all over, shouting at people, very, very red-faced. It does not look good in the slightest. I can't see anything under the Croatia win here. And honestly, if this was an absolute beating, I wouldn't be surprised. No, neither would I. And you look, the, when you think of the star names, Vertonghen, years past his best, probably shouldn't even be in the squad. Alderweireld the same. Witzel, the same. Lukaku's clearly not fit. And Hazard hasn't been a good player since he left Chelsea. The two guys they have who are among the best in the world and you can make cases for being the best in their positions. De Bruyne is the best midfielder and you can make a case that Thibaut Courtois is the best goalkeeper in the world. The fact that those two actively do not like each other and have not liked each other for many years and have had this issue between them for years has got to leak into the rest of the squad when your two kind of marquee names don't speak at all. It's going to be very hard to have harmony in the squad. And I'm not suggesting that one of them should be left out, but surely somebody else should have stepped in and found a way to bridge the gap and say, look, if you two aren't going to speak, that's fair enough. But the rest of us need to step in here and ensure that we are the ones that lead this team and you guys can just do what you are best at doing. But nobody has done that. The ones that did step up have now declined, you know, like like your Vertongans and your Alderweirels. They're a mess. And like you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got walloped. Uh, moving on to the later games today, it is Japan versus Spain. I don't know what to make of Japan. They beat Germany and then lost to Costa Rica. That's the weirdest World Cup anyone is having. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they beat Spain because like they're just a weird team. Um, what do you make of this game? Uh, two difficult teams to to talk about really and to analyse. I think you know Spain have been everything that you would expect in terms of possession, but then the first game unbelievably clinical and ruthless, which you do not normally associate with them. 
And then against Germany, once they did take the lead in the fashion you would more expect Spain to take the lead in terms of you know, more possession and slightly better technically, but not really creating too much. And then they just did take the lead. And that's kind of what Spain usually do. That's what, you know, that's what happens to them. But then they didn't defend it very well. They didn't defend the area of the pitch very well. They didn't defend in terms of keeping hold of the ball very well. So neither of those two things were really what I would expect from Spain once they go a goal ahead against a rival. Japan, like you say, it's just uh, two very odd results and two. The second game against Costa Rica was weirdly timid from them. I didn't really like what I saw from them whatsoever. I would expect them to maybe now that they're going to be the underdogs again in this game and they've got something to fight for rather than to protect, maybe that affects the mentality and they go back to what we know from Japan and they put in a much better performance. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that they're going to be able to, to win and, and produce what they need here. Uh, it's going to be a a very tricky last game uh, at the same time, obviously, the two matches for this group. So much can go wrong in the space of one goal for, for one team if they're trying to protect either the draw or you know, if they're only a goal ahead or something like that. So there's there's a lot to play for here and it's going to be very difficult to manage in-game for the coaches as well, I think. I think so as well. And, <clears throat> I mean, Spain... Spain are fairly certain of progression because of their um, their heavy victory over Costa Rica. They could go out if Costa Rica beat Germany and they lose themselves. But assuming Germany win, it doesn't really matter what Spain do. They will still go through unless Germany win by nine clear goals or eight clear goals. And, and let's say Spain lose one nil. Um, that other game is Costa Rica versus Germany. Costa Rica also having a bizarre World Cup, of course, having lost seven one or sorry seven nil, and then beaten Japan one nil. Um, they they make no sense to me either. Uh, they've got a star in goal in Keylor Navas and just a bunch of hardworking players in front of them. They they looked against Japan far more like the team we expected them to be. Germany haven't looked particularly good at all. I, I don't like the defensive makeup. I'm not overly keen on what's going on in attack. I expected a lot more from Hansi Flick in this World Cup. Now, I know he he lost Timo Werner pre-World Cup, and that was a hammer blow. They've had the injury to Sané, which he's been able to play bit parts of, but he showed when he came on against Spain that he's such a game-changer for them. I would expect Germany to win this game, but I don't expect it to be a heavy win, and that could well mean they end up going out. Now, of course, if Spain-Japan ends in a draw and Germany win, Germany will most likely go through. Yeah, I mean, I think there's not really much Germany can do other than win this game. That's the first thing to say. I mean, uh, you know, Japan beat Spain. There's nothing that Germany can do at all. You know, even a, a four or five goal win against Costa Rica, which I agree with you, is not likely to happen. They look back to their resolute best and Costa Rica have a better chance, you can say, than Germany to go through at the minute. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult for them, I think. There's not much that they can do, like I say, other than just play to win the game. I don't think they can worry about goal difference and goal scored and all the rest of it. It's It's... Well out of their hands, you know. If you if you are ahead in the last fifteen minutes, play to the counter attack just like you would in any other normal game, and maybe go for a, a two goal victory, something like that. But by and large, I, I 
think this is a very, very difficult position Germany have left themselves in, to be honest. One point from the first two games, irrespective of having played Spain in that, is is a dismal return, let's be perfectly yeah. honest. You, know, you have to be have to be brutally uh, realistic about this. They've left themselves in a very tricky position, even if it is nominally the easiest game of the tie, last of all. It could be too late. That's that's a simple uh, way to say it, to be honest. It could. It could very much be too late. Like we said, if, you know, it, it, put it this way, if they're winning, say they're winning 3-0 and the other game is 1-1 with five minutes to go, I mean, Spain could, in theory, just go, well, fuck them and, you know, just kind of sit off a little bit and maybe invite a bit of Japanese pressure. Because Spain will fancy their chances against either Morocco or Croatia in the next round. I don't think they'll care who it is. Even Belgium. I think they'll be more than happy to play any of them. So for the Spaniards, as long as Costa Rica don't win, it doesn't really matter to them what the result is. As long as Costa Rica don't win that game, they're through. Mm. So, yeah. like Unless it's 9-0 9-0 to Germany or something, then obviously it, it would be a freak, a freak outcome. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Germany are going home after this one. Let's do predictions and get out of here for today. Uh, Croatia, Belgium. What's your prediction? Uh, I think Croatia are capable of smacking Belgium's little bottoms, but I don't think that they will go all out uh, and, you know, risk anything other than take the lead and, play a bit safe and maybe score another one later on. So I'll go for 2-0 to Croatia. I'll go 3-1, but I think it could be a case where they're three up and Belgium get a late goal. But I'm almost hoping that Belgium go out in spectacular fashion and that we might see a bit of a scrap on the pitch afterwards between a couple of the players. And maybe Vertonghen just goes up and chins Eden Hazard. Um, (laughs) Canada versus Morocco. Oh, uh... 1-0 1-0 Morocco. It does seem like the likely result. I'll go 1-0 as well. Uh, Japan versus Spain. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I no. could easily see both, both these games being a draw, to be honest. I will go... I think Japan have mucked up their chances. I, I feel like Spain might do something here in Japan have uh, the late heartbreak of the group stage. I'm going to go 1-0 Spain. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's entirely possible that defeat to Costa Rica was just a shambles. Even the draw, even the draw would have been enough, I think. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. It would have been because they could have just played for a draw. To Them and Spain yeah. could have just sat down and said, look, lads, let's just get a one all." Yeah. Let's just get a one all here and then we're both through. That's all we need. One all. Let's I'll score, you score, and then we'll just breeze through the rest of the game. And I think everybody would have been happy. We've seen it happen before in World Cups. Silly. Yeah, I, I think I'll go for Spain one nil. I'll go a draw. I'll go a draw because I'm I'm hoping Matoma starts. Yeah. And after Messi and Harry Suter, I think he's the best player in the world. So uh, I'll go one all. Um, Costa Rica, Germany. 1-1. Oh. So, in your outcome, that puts Costa Rica through. It does. 
I'm sticking with what I said before. Germany are not going through. Oh. I said that at the start of the tournament. I said it in our predictions. I'm sticking with it. I think the Germans will win this game. I, I want Japan to go through because I, I just enjoy watching them. Though I am still, I'm very bitter that Kyogo and Hatete uh, aren't in the squad. I think Germany are going to win and shit has their way through. I'll go 2 0 to Germany. Well, did you go for the Spain result? 1 1. So, so it's a plus 1. Yeah, Germany go through plus 1. A 1 0 would be funny. What would that then come down to? Would come down that'd to. Be, that'd be zero goal difference for both, and it would depend on the scoreline for Japan, because Germany would have scored three goals, and Japan have two plus whatever the score Yes, yeah, so I've, I've got that 1 1. So, so both so teams would have scored three, three well. competed, conceded three. So does that then go and to yellow cards or head-to-head? Head-to-head first, so it would be Japan. Japan goes through. Germany. Right, that's yeah. what we're going with. 2 nil right. Germany, 1-1 <laughs> Japan-Spain, and Germany go out. With no, 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 no. 1-0 low... to Germany. Oh, 1-0 to Germany. Yeah, sorry. 1-0 yes. to Germany, 1-1 in the other game, and the Germans go home. In embarrassing fashion, having lost to Japan. Good enough for them. Good enough for them. That'll do. Right, what have you got today for the good people? Today, uh, actually it won't be out today. I'm writing another piece, which is for the end of the group stage. It's the, it's the team of the group stage. In fact, I had to think of what on earth I was doing then. But yes, it'll be out, obviously, after all the groups are done. Um, I've got a few, obviously, players who are now finished their three matches. So it'll be my 11 of the group stage. Have to stay tuned until when is it tomorrow? The last week stage games. I've completely lost all of my sense of when the week is at the minute. So yeah, yeah. So tomorrow is the last games of the group stage. Hmm. Then Saturday we're straight into the round of sixteen for Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are days off before the quarterfinals go Friday, Saturday. Then. Sunday, Monday are days off. The semi-finals will be Tuesday, Wednesday. There'll be two days off then, the third place playoff, and then the final will be Sunday, December the 18th at 3 p.m. UK kickoff. So we are, we are motoring through this World Cup. Um, 8, 12, 14, 15, 16. 24 games left in total, including today. 24 games left. Not so bad. Not so bad at all. And then it's straight, and then it's straight into the League Cup. Yes, straight into the League (laughs) Cup where Liverpool take on Manchester City. Joy of joys. Radio, we will see you all tomorrow. Uh, make sure you follow Carl on Twitter at Carl Matchett. Follow Guy Drinkle at Guy Drinkle and follow me at Mr. Two Footed. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index 
Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.